Thanks for dropping by on the Unlimited Unloaded page. If you were listening on Wednesday, June the 15th, we did an hour-long special, and I realized, well, about halfway through doing the hour-long special that we needed more than an hour to actually take care of all of the sports and all of the great moments from them from this past season. So what we did on that day was we had football along with soccer, volleyball, and basketball, many of which I shortchanged because, well, again, we were limited to an hour. And now here on the Bulls Unlimited Unloaded page, we give you even more highlights. So if you're listening, the football portion got a good half hour. And as you can tell right now, here, you're even going to hear a little bit more of the top moments. Again, we're kind of just going through the courses of the season instead of some sort of countdown, best plays, which honestly is more work than I have time to do. We're just going to sort of go in order that the games were played with some of the key moments. Not all are great moments. Some remind you of how close the games were to flipping in a different direction. And some were just flat out funny. So some of the obvious highlights you know are coming, and then maybe some not so obvious. Some games will not have highlights. In fact, the first game from the football season, just a couple. As you know, Cade Fortin got the starting job, and it didn't last long. As a matter of fact, there was one pivotal moment early on in that game. Who knows what happens if, well, this play goes a different way. From the six, Fortin to throw from the end zone. He lights it up long to Horn, and it's incomplete at the 50. Horn had his man beat, but the ball was about two to three yards too long. Otherwise, that was 94 yards and put the Bulls on the board. Yeah, and, and I'm going to tell you, Jim, those are the throws that Kay Fortin has to make for this offense to be successful. So while that wide open pass wasn't happening, remember the first drive for NC State? Third down and eight. Thomas goes in motion, lines up left side. The throw deflected and caught for a first down. A tough break for the Bulls defense. Blake Green deflected that ball. It was way off line. Yet they would score. Of course, they didn't need a bunch of fortunate breaks to help lead to the victory. When it's 45 nothing, you pretty much have been defeated. But this was definitely another type of break that, you know, it's not your night when. He blasts this one. That's going to be way over Thomas's head, but unfortunately it is going to roll near the end zone. Did it die at the one or did it go in the end zone? It's a touchback. And I'm not sure if that ball would have died on its own or if it was knocked in by the bull who was down there trying to keep it out of the end zone. It was a tremendous punt that almost wound up dying right between the goal line and the one. Yeah, that's the good old-fashioned punt that is perfect until someone decides to touch the ball. So 45 nothing, not a whole lot of highlights, but certainly something significant. We've got a new quarterback for the Bulls, Timmy McClain, the freshman left-hander, is in for the first time. This is his collegiate debut. On the 35, McLean handles a bad snap. He'll keep it, and he'll run out to the 41-yard line for a pickup of six. It'll be second and four. Now, whether this is a series or a package or something more than that is yet to be known, but McLean is in the game early in the second quarter. Well, Timmy McLean just gives USF a different look in NC State. They're a little bit winded, too, but this guy can absolutely fly, and he can throw the deep ball, so we'll see what we get out of him today. He's going to keep it again, running to the right. He gets the edge. He's into NC State territory, and he'll jog out of bounds at the 48-yard line of the Wolfpack. So there is the Bulls' first first down 
since very early in this game. So there you have it. We have not replayed that NC State game for obvious reasons in quite some time, but there were Tim McLean's first couple of snaps. They weren't so bad, and neither was this play. Here's a little jump pass to Mitchell Brinkman, and Brinkman carries it down to the 15-yard line. McLean faked the handoff, and a little jump pass hit Brinkman in stride for a gain of about 30, and the Bulls have the ball on the NC State 14-yard line, first and 10. Turnovers would be a problem, and again, if you were turned off on a Thursday night by this time, we would forgive you, but you missed some great lines, including one, well, band section. Into double coverage, and it will be incomplete. I think it may have been caught but out of bounds, the Bulls receiver wound up in the NC State band. It's going to be second down and 10. Might have hit his head on a trombone or something over there. Hopefully nobody's hurt. And that, 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 that band equipment is expensive. <laughs> We're just trying to have fun here. Then moving on to the next game, and boy, what a crowd at Raymond James Stadium. Yes, a lot of Gator fans saw Florida win the game 42-20. to Hey, remember that would-be 95-yard touchdown pass? We had something similar in this one. Who knows what direction the game would have taken. Six wide receivers, including Donovan Jennings. It's a double pass, and it's dropped at the 35-yard line. Oh boy, the Bulls lined up three wide receivers on each side, including offensive lineman Donovan Jennings. It was a double pass. They had Joyner in stride down the far sideline. Would have been six. He dropped the ball. And as I said, the Bulls lose 42-20, to but it was 35-3 to at halftime, so that could have been really ugly. And oh yeah, Jaron Mangum got the two scores there. On first and goal from the one yard line. Miller in motion. It's Mangum diving for the end zone. He's in. That's six for the Bulls. The first touchdown of 2021. It's Mangum, the Colorado transfer. It's first and goal from the three. Three wide receivers right, Marsh. Hands it off, it's Mangum, and he will go in untouched off the left side. Jaron Mangum with his second touchdown of the day. He would continue to score, and whereas Timmy McLean became the guy at quarterback, Jaron Mangum, even though he had some supplementary help, became the guy at that position as the Bulls got their first win against Florida A&M. Another opportunity here, first and goal from the nine. Mangum, the running back, he's been in the end zone twice. He gets the football. Cuts it inside to the five, and he's in the end zone again. Boy, he makes it look easy. Jaron Mangum with another touchdown. It's his fifth of the season. And the Bulls rebuild the lead to 30-10. to 10. Yeah, Mangum is a heck of a back, and you can tell that this coaching staff has all plans to make him an integral part of this offense, and they're going to continue to utilize him. And he's excited. He's fired up dapping everybody up on the sideline. Then it was on the road to BYU. 28-6 to would be the score as, frankly, the Bulls' defense could not stop the Cougars. But the game started to get pretty interesting with the lone stop. In fact, there was a field goal block in there. 22-yard field goal attempt. It's blocked by the Bulls. Blake Green, and it's going to be USF football. The Bulls get the defensive stop, and now the offense will come back on the field, still in a two-score game. 
and a very, very impressive second half from the offense. Oh yeah, three touchdown drives in three attempts, basically. Unfortunately, they were long drives. The last one took 19 plays, 94 yards, and nine minutes off the clock, so they didn't actually get the ball back after trying an onside kick. But at least they got touchdowns. More on that in a second. Six points at halftime with two field goals led to the very direct exchange between Joey Johnston and Jeff Scott. How have Timmy McLean and the offense adjusted and kept their composure in the second quarter? Yeah, we just got to we got to get touchdowns instead of field goals. Thank you, Jeff Scott. Back to you guys. Love Joey Johnston. Love the fact that we can get the coach going into the locker room. And just for the record, he's not normally that short, but that was definitely the appropriate response there. And the Bulls had it on their first offensive drive. And Sam Barrington happily admitted he was wrong. This was pretty humorous and dramatic. Call the play, Sam. We're counting on you. What are you running here? Give Timmy McLean the opportunity to make the play here. And the thing about it, you're going to see some crossing routes. You see the receivers in reduced splits. That mean they're not spread out wide. Or you're going to see Xavier Weaver and both the outside receiver both go to the corner of the end zone. And what's going to happen is the reason why they're choosing this play call as opposed to a run is because once these receivers get down the field and everybody's running around the end zone, now Timmy McClain can duck it and run the end zone for three yards. Fourth down and goal from the three. Pistol formation. Running back is behind McClain. One wide receiver on each side. There's the snap. Rolling left pitch. It's Weaver on an end around, and he will score. Touchdown, USF. That's six for the Bulls. Xavier Weaver as McLean rolled to the left, pitched it. Weaver came around to the right side, and the Bulls in the end zone for the first time tonight. Jim, do me a favor. Never put me in the position to call a play again. I would never have guessed that. That's an amazing play call by USF, and he could get to the outside. They put him in a great position to do so, and I just think that was a phenomenal play call because BYU would have never guessed it. Sam Barrington didn't either. Love that. And again, McLean sort of thriving in unbelievable conditions from a noise perspective. Looking forward to BYU coming to what we hope is a loud Raymond James Stadium to start off the 2022 season. The Bulls' next game, no highlights. It was, honestly, there were a couple of semi-memorable plays, but not much. In a 41-17 loss to SMU, it was 17-3 at the half. Bulls did get it to a touchdown early in the third quarter. Again, Jaron Mangum scored a couple of TDs, but not enough there and really not much worth remembering. However, the next game, even though it was a loss, boy, you go back to this one, and it was an incredible game. Tulsa gets the win 32-31. to You talk about moments. The end of the first half, the Bulls were up 24-10 to on a couple of thrilling non-offensive scores. So 10 apiece here in the first half. See if the Bulls can get the return game going here. Kick is away. It is Batie, two yards deep. He's coming out to the 10, to the 15, to the 20. He's got a lane, and he's got the open field, 35-40. He's into Tulsa territory. It's a foot race, Batie and the kicker. And guess what? Batie won. Touchdown, USF. 102 yards. Brian Batie. Bulls take the lead. <laughs> Just an amazing job. This is their first kickoff return since 2018. And it was Terrence Horn who put two in the end zone that game. And that was just an amazing job. No flags on the play. 
And this USF sideline is pretty hyped. And speaking of being hyped, make sure to listen to the background on this next play. First of all, Antonio Greer is one of Sam's, if not Sam's, favorite player. Secondly, if you think we don't care, we, well, why would you think we don't care? But we really do enjoy doing these broadcasts and care deeply about the Bulls. And sometimes, yeah, we get emotional. You can hear the high fives. That's Sam Barrington with everybody in the press box, including myself, on the loud first high five. Got to get a stop now, though. Third and 10 from the Bulls, 41. Play clock at 5. Snapped in time, high snap, Bryn pulls it down, throws and it's picked off. It's Antonio Greer. He moves past the quarterback, Bryn, and he's going to beat everybody. Touchdown, USF. Antonio Greer. The Bulls have scored on offense. They've scored on defense. They've scored on special teams. It's 23-10, to 10, USF. Unfortunately, they only scored one more time. And yeah, the last part of the first half is when the game completely flipped. You had all that excitement going on. Then the Bulls actually hold Tulsa to a field goal, which is a big deal. But then late, Jimmy Horn coughs it up on a kickoff. And it's Horn, the up back at the 15. Well, that worked out pretty good. Horn out to the 30, but he fumbles the ball. Scramble for it at about the 37. And Tulsa's indicating they have it. And then this. Brenda throw has a man in his face, throws it long to Crawford, touchdown Tulsa. With 57 seconds left, that was the first play after the fumble and the kickoff. Actually, if you'll recall, maybe you don't, the Bulls defense you know, this just had the feeling of 24-10, one second, Tulsa leading the next. Tulsa did not score in the third quarter. Bulls defense did the job, and so when you're up 31-20, seems like you've weathered the situation. But, oh, those tricky 99-yard drives after a perfect punt. At least it looked like it was a perfect situation at the time. Stokes booms a punt. Bulls trying to run under it, and this thing is going to be down by Barry Hill at about the one-yard line. Beautiful job by Stokes. Barry Hill couldn't find it at first but he was able to get it on the hop and down it. And Stokes, with a little back kick on that punt, puts it at the one-yard line. It's a long field for Tulsa. Deneric Prince is the running back, second and 10 for Tulsa from their one-yard line. Prince stands in the end zone, as does the quarterback, Davis Brin. Two wide receivers left, everybody else in tight. Brin to throw from the end zone, and it is caught. Josh Johnson at the 10, he'll get the first down, and he goes out of bounds at the 14. Vincent Davis flashed in front, wasn't that far from an interception, but they get the first down and a little breathing room out to the 14. Game actually came down to just a couple of fourth downs, really, in the fourth. Well, they're going. When they took the time out, you figured they weren't going to punt it. Rashawn Yates is in the offensive backfield. McLean splits out. It's Mangum. Oh, I don't know. I don't like the spot. I think they're short. Extra tight end in left side. Two wide receivers right. Bryn has the football. Rolls out to the right. He's throwing. It's caught first down Johnson, and he's out of bounds. They convert the fourth down at the 14-yard line of the Bulls, 145 to go. Yeah, sometimes it just comes down to that stuff, and Tulsa would go ahead and win that game 32-31. So as simple as a fourth down short yardage play not working, 
And the next week, of course, everything worked, including fourth down short yardage plays early that set the tone in the win against Temple 34-14. But before we get to the running plays, talk about setting the tone. Maybe the play of the season early in that game. This will be a 27-yard attempt from the near hash with Scribner holding, and the snap goes over Scribner's head. It's a loose ball. It's picked up by Temple, and Temple is going to run this down toward the end zone. A diving tackle, great hustle play at the five-yard line by Chris Carter, but this game has really turned around on a high snap. That's the type of teammate you want to have an unselfish guy, a tight end who ran down a cornerback, a defensive back. You just don't see that happening. And the only way you get that done is with phenomenal effort. And I'm so happy he went and tackled that guy. Now the defense has an opportunity to stop this Temple offense. Third and goal from the 12. Mathis to throw, looking toward the end zone. Picked off by the Bulls. Deflected ball, and the Bulls get the turnover in the end zone. Makai LaPointe. And USF keeps Temple off the scoreboard. Tip of the hat to you, Chris Carter. You saved your team seven points. So that was the amazing part. The Bulls would set the school record for rushing yards in a game in this one. And yet a lot of the conversation afterwards was about that, appropriately, about that play by Chris Carter. That that was just the the play of the game right there, right? And uh, again, it's a great example of an event happens, right? What's your response going to be? You can't control the event. It just happened. But your response is going to dictate the outcome, right? The old uh, E plus R equals O right there. And to see Chris Carter run that guy, I don't know who it was. He looked like a fast guy to me, safety or something. But to run him down, as I was watching that, what was going through my mind is this is the heart of this team right here. But, yes, there was a lot of great running by everyone in the backfield, obviously, when you set a team record. Jaron Mangum, 26 carries, 153 yards, two scores. Here's Mangum fighting to the goal line. Touchdown, USF. 12 for Jaron Mangum. Two tonight. Kelly Joyner also went over 100, well over 126. And Brian Batty tossed in 80 on 12. Timmy McLean, you'd think with... A career rushing type day, he'd be, you know, your first or second guy. No, he was fourth, 454 yards as a team. Here's some of that action. And, oh, yeah, we're talking about, you know, moments where the Bulls, if something happens their way early, maybe the game goes in a different direction. You can definitely flip it and look at it from Temple's perspective if they score. First of all, like they should have on that blocked kick, their head coach, I'll never forget Rod Carey, was holding up the number one for five seconds, assuming it was a touchdown. But also, if... The Bulls barely don't get a first down early on. Who knows what happens? But as we do know, there was a lot that followed this first play you're about to hear, including, finally, Sam Barrington adopting my nickname for Jaron Mangum. Bulls fans remember all too well last week, the third and one, the fourth and one. They split McLean out both times and had the direct snap to Mangum. Mangum is the running back, but McLean is still in the quarterback position. Fourth and two. It's Mangum, and he's going to have to push the pile. And it looks like they're going to mark him right near the 48. This is going to be close, and it will depend on the spot. (laughs) I I can't tell. I'm looking right at it, and I can't tell. They're going to bring the sticks out, I think. Something you don't see much anymore. I mean, how many times this year have we seen them actually bring the chains out for a measurement? 
So they're lining it up and they got a first down. Pitch to the left. Here's Mangum breaking a tackle, getting the first down to about the 37 of the Owls. Mangum broke a tackle near the line of scrimmage. Pulls back to the ground game and this is Joyner. He's got an opening and Joyner with a big gain into Temple territory and another first down for the Bulls. Kelly Joyner is going to join Mangum as a 100-yard rusher in this game. Batie again picking his way forward. He's got the first down, and the Bulls' running game continues to excel. And the Bulls with a first down at the 45, and now Mangum is the running back. He had 20 carries in the first half, none so far in this quarter. Mangum getting into the secondary, into Temple territory, 40-35, and down to about the 31-yard line. Another big run for Jaron Mangum, and the Bulls move the sticks again. Yeah, we're just going to have to name him Bangum Mangum because that's what he's doing. I mean, right? 34-14, that was certainly a fun game. Next game on a Thursday night at Downey Ficklin Stadium wasn't so fun without Timmy McLean. Trey Marsh did have some issues, including a big pick six. And as you may or may not recall, no third down conversions. You can't really thrive that way. And on the other side, East Carolina entered last in the country in third down conversions and had one drive where they did a lot of converting. Six of 17 overall wasn't great. 25% on the season on third downs, one of the worst marks in the nation. We'll see if the Bulls can get the ball back for the offense here. Ehlers straight drop, pressure coming, unloads at far sideline, caught first down. And the Bulls with another chance for a stop here at the 48-yard line of East Carolina. Ehlers to throw. Steps up against pressure, got a man open, caught first down. Keaton Mitchell will get inside the Bulls 40. Yeah, it was poor execution by USF on that play. And now it's third and eight. It's probably going to be the biggest down of the game. Third and eight, they're going to throw. It is caught at the 30. And first down, fumbled out of bounds, but it'll be a first down for East Carolina. And they do it again on third down but they outpossessed the Bulls 38 minutes to 22. Still, the Bulls looked like they had a chance in this one early on. Still, the Bulls definitely had some excitement, including taking the lead on, yep, a fourth down play. Mangum the running back out of the shotgun. Hand off, it's Mangum. He's got the first down and more breaking tackles, and he's in the end zone. Touchdown, USF. Jaron Mangum, his 13th of the season. They would make it 14-6 at the half as Trey Marsh hit Xavier Weaver. East Carolina would come right out and score to start the second half. Bulls get it to midfield on the next drive. Stalls out, but Andrew Stokes' punt gets downed at the one. I am not a big blame the refs guy. But in this case, you can blame the refs. The worst call of the season, I think, by far against the Bulls. You talk about moments in a game. Ehlers takes the snap, gives it to Mitchell. Not much there. I don't know if he made it back or not. This might be a safety. It's going to depend on the spot. The officials are coming in, and I think they're going to give him enough progress to get into the field of play. It'll be second down. He did lose part of that half a yard. The ball is now sitting almost on the goal line. 
I don't know, Jim, and that might have been a hometown spot. Well, it they're going to look. Yeah, I don't even think he cleared the goal line. Coming out of the end zone with the football is under further review. Second down. Second and ten. Well, again, I think what sunk the Bulls there was the need to overturn it. So it's second down, and the ball is still inside the one-yard line. 14 to 13 Bulls midway through the third. Ayler's going to throw near sideline. It's caught. It's C.J. Johnson, and he's got a huge gain out past the 40-yard line. Yeah, should have been 16-13 and Bulls ball. Ironically, East Carolina would not score on the drive. They would miss a field goal. But then the next thing was the pick six, and just like that, East Carolina has the lead. So is it fair to say if the Bulls got the right call on the field for a three-point lead, would they have won the game? You certainly can't go with that. But it was an awful call, and the Bulls lose the game. Next game, loads of highlights. 54-42 Houston would win. But just enjoy this assortment of amazing stuff that happened on homecoming night. Kick is in the air. We are underway, and it's batty, and it's going to be returnable. He takes it at the goal line. Up the near side of the field, he's got a seam. 35-40 into Houston territory. He's got a touchdown. Brian Batty, second of the year, and the Bulls lead Houston. It took 13 seconds. How about that? All the talk about Marcus Jones, and it's Brian Batty who returns the opening kickoff. USF leads Houston. Returnable for Batty at the goal line. Takes it up the center of the field, makes a cut. He's going off to the races again. He's got another one. It's Brian Batty. Third of the year, second of the game. Unbelievable. No flags. Bulls are back in front. He took it right on the goal line again. It may be another 100-yarder. And he has matched Terrence Horn, Georgia Tech 2018, as the only Bull to ever have two in a game. Batty now has three in a career. That's a record. And the Bulls lead Houston with 2.16 to go in the second quarter. Here is Batty. He breaks into the open field, makes a cut at the 10, and he's in the end zone. Touchdown, USF. 29 yards. Brian Batty put those green lights up. The Bulls have taken the lead. (laughs) From the 38-yard line. McLean to throw, pump fake, now under pressure, and gets away. I don't know how, but he's got some room. Gets to the 35, to the 30, and out of bounds at the 25-yard line. Plays like that cement the legacy. He was 99.99% down, and somehow he spun out of it, and he ran for 13 yards and a first down. Well, after he did that, Jim, he also made a guy miss in the open field. And now you see why so many people are so excited about Timmy McClain because of plays like that. Just thrilling stuff. And again, when you have a 54-42 game, we could have played 30 minutes worth of highlights, but we did, you know, back on Bulls beat the day after that one or the Monday after that one. There was also a great line after the Bulls were, again, ruled to have committed a safety this time, which looked like they got out of the end zone to me. After further review, the ruling on the field is confirmed. Safety. 
I don't know what a safety is after the last two weeks. <laughs> to be clear, the officials did not have a bad game. The Bulls defense did in that one. Then, wow, Cincinnati, 45-28 win. Bearcats would tack on a touchdown at the end, and usually that would have rubbed me the wrong way, but I knew what Cincinnati was doing, man. Got to get those style points. But remember, three straight turnovers to start things off. Fortunately, Cincinnati was committing two of them, and the Bulls were taking the lead. Throwing near sideline, broken up, intercepted by the Bulls. Christian Williams, he runs it to the 30, cuts back inside to the 20, to the 10. Touchdown, USF! Christian Williams, the pick, and this Cincinnati team, one of the best in the nation in the turnover battle, has given it up twice to the Bulls in the first quarter. Looks like he did step out of bounds. It is not a touchdown. They rule him out of bounds at the two-yard line. So it's first and goal for the Bulls. We are still scoreless. Mangum the running back. Carter in motion. Mangum, left side, touchdown, USF. That's six for the Bulls. Green lights are up. 14th time Jaron Mangum has been in the end zone for the Bulls. And one play later than we thought, USF is up in this game. Of course, Cincinnati would end up having to fight but get the win. However, we had the Chris Carter play, the offensive player of the year to follow, and then definitely the coming out of a break conversation of the year, hands down. Quick pass over the middle, it's caught, it's Jimmy Horn into the open field, breaks a tackle, 45-50, he's outrunning everybody, nobody's going to catch him, Jimmy Horn, 80 yards, touchdown USF, no flags. And that's the play every USF fan has been waiting to see from Jimmy Horn this year. There are not a lot of players in the country who you can throw a slant to And that guy can take that play 80 yards. But Jimmy Horn is just one of those guys, and we've all known it for so long, but he just hasn't had the opportunity to. He's a special player, a bright guy, and that's the reason he's starting as a freshman on this offense with so many good receivers. Great job by Timmy McClain finding his high school teammate. His first touchdown. If you haven't been to a Bulls game this year, you haven't seen the singing rat. Maybe he's a marmot or something, I don't know, but you can hear in the background the crowd reaction. All the things they have done to to liven this place up this year, and they've done a lot of different things this year. That's the best one, Sam. The crowd loves us. (laughs) I'd have to go with the green lights. I don't know if we're singing rap. Yeah, that's pretty good, too. Whatever, get me off. Second down and three. That was fun, and that was the last home game of the season. Definitely no highlights from the next weekend. Yikes. Just one very accurate statement from Sam Barrington on the loss to Tulane. USF's defense has struggled this year in several different instances, but you've never seen anything like this, and it looks like Tulane is just pretty much finding a way to keep USF's head spinning on defense. They're coming with a plethora of plays, whether it's pass or run plays, and USF just cannot slow these guys down, and they need to get this quarter over here quickly so they can have a few minutes to go to the sideline and regroup because it's ugly. Well, the defense was a lot prettier in the finale. 17-13, to 13, you know how that one ended up. We'll get there in a second. But yeah, the defense, without its coordinator, 
putting on a show against one of the tougher offenses to slow down. Third down and four from the Bulls' 18-yard line. There have been some interesting things that have happened for this defense when they've gotten into this area of the field. Let's see if they can stop them. From over center, they run it, and the Bulls stuff this one on the right side. Nicely defended. Wide receiver Amari Johnson got the carry, and that's going to bring the field goal unit out for UCF. Yeah, that was that was Cromarty who stepped in for Matthew Hill. He made a very sound tackle, and it was one of those knockback tackles. 35-yard attempt, Daniel Obarski, and he missed it. No good wide to the left, so UCF comes up empty. And they hand it off to Richards, and he's dumped on a tackle for loss by the Bulls. Kelvin Pinckney, I believe, with the tackle back at the 25. That'll be a loss of two, maybe three, and it sets up third and long. That's the Bulls' fourth tackle for loss of the game. And once again, it's third and nine. The ball back on the 31. Keen will throw. Pressure coming, getting chased. Dumps it out of bounds. It's fourth down. Boy, oh boy, Sam, this is what we've been waiting for all year long from the <laughs> defensive line. They're after the quarterback on every play. Well, I'll tell you what. Sometimes it's just a change in philosophy, and that's what you need. And, you know, the conversation all year is maybe USF doesn't have the players, but you know, and this is not an indictment on Glenn Spencer in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But this team is pressuring the quarterback better than they have all year as a result of DePrada and, and Ernie Sims uh, calling these plays. Quite a lot of drama in Orlando, starting off with one of the funnier Jim Lauk lines of the year as well. BYU loud here, is it not, Joey? Absolutely. You cannot hear yourself think. I can barely hear what you're saying. Trust me, it was good. <laughs> 55 seconds left from the 23 of the Bulls. Pressure coming. McLean rolling out, throws. He's got a man. It's caught. It's Mangum to the 40, to the 50, and out of bounds in UCF territory at the Knights' 47-yard line. McLean to throw, looking, looking. Throws it long into a crowd. Weaver makes the catch at the 18-yard line. First down, Bulls. Weaver went up in a crowd, came down with a football. 48 seconds to go. Clock stopped while they moved the chains. The Bulls are 17 yards away as they place it on the 17-yard line. First and 10. Bulls got to be careful. Can't get tackled in the field of play. Dollison in motion, Mangum the running back. McLean rolling left, he wants to throw. Now cuts it back inside, and he's down on one knee, and they stop it with nine seconds to go. It was intercepted, but he was down, and the Bulls got to get ready here. They don't understand that he was down. There's no interception. Bulls got to hustle up to the line of scrimmage. 2-1-0 ball game. Well, that's a tough way to end it, but that's how the season ended. But you could just see 35 minutes worth of highlights from a two-win season means there were a lot of positives. Thanks for checking us out here on the Unlimited Unloaded page.